0: treasure seekers dungeon keepers slayers and players this is wizards on paper your source for all things pen and paper rpg for those of you tuning in for the first time don't feel left out this is the inaugural episode the number one episode of wizards on paper you can catch us at wizardsonpaper.com itunes soundcloud and any other rss subscription method you prefer my name is Justin, the Dwarven ale Snob. I'm DMing a solo show tonight. My cohort will join us in a later episode. He's got real life stuff. He can't be bothered with this. Now to start off, let me just say I've done a few other podcasts of varying success, and I can tell you for sure that the first episode is usually the worst one. It typically sucks dragon dick. Hopefully, that's not going to be the case this time, but I'm no exception to the rule. We'll see. I'll get right into it. The reason you clicked the link in the first place, pen and paper games, traditional games, dice, boards, battle grids, miniatures, and virginity. All my years of living in a fantasy land of robots and elves, tossing dice and sliding minis, I has to say that my favorite part of any game is the beginning. And not just any beginnings, compadres. I'm talking specifically about the humble beginnings. I think there's no better way to start a series about tabletop RPGs than to talk about beginnings in games. You see that's uh, parallelism there. Try to keep up. You know what, man? There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of fun to be had in the beginning and that's the funnest part for me. I know whenever I get together with my bros and we talk a little bit about starting a new campaign or anything like that, we roll up some characters and we put entirely too much thought into this imaginary person that we're supposed to become for several hours out of the week. Most of our DM usuals, they'll demand a backstory. They wanna know what you look like, where you come from, your motivations, how's your mother, stats, how much you can lift under a controlled laboratory environment, preference in shorts, for God's sakes, it's almost obnoxious because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm stabbed R the Barbarian and I ain't got time for this shit. All I want to do is want to take my Barbarian Sword and I want to stab a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the ass, and then eat it, and then wear part of it. Look, all I'm trying to say is I like having a fully fleshed out character, but at the same time, I love wrecking a battle grid even more or I'd just take a broadsword and start cleaving through mobs like nothing. Or if you know you're into the whole sci-fi thing, I guess maybe have a gun or something. But that, that right there, that's part of the excitement about the first game. Is that wait The wait before you get to have fun. The anticipation. You're sitting there doing math for God's sakes, trying to determine how much you can lift above your head. You're sitting there trying to find out how far this arrow will shoot before the game actually starts. This anticipation here is what builds to ultimately the excitement of playing the game and I think that is a big part of a beginning is having a good preparation and I'll get a little bit more into that later on in the show. But you think about it, people get excited about things that are to come here. You, you get excited about movies opening. You get excited every summer when the big summer blockbusters are happening. You get excited about uh, a video game launch for a series that you might like or something that just kinda looked cool in the trailers for it. You get excited for a season premiere of a show. You get excited for all sorts of things. Fun, Christmas, whatever. Why too should that not apply to the D&D campaign? I, I I really wish that more people would approach it with that sort of mindset. That this is something exciting here. That this could potentially be something that's going to be your source of primary entertainment for months to come. And it can be. If you prepare for that first game. That first game, like I said, and I can't emphasize this enough, is the most important game of the entire campaign. And not just the first one, maybe a first few everyone's ready to show off their new character the potential for awesome bro fist between the cleric and the paladin and the backstabbing skullduggery inevitable from the rogue and whatever the hell bards do i guess uh the entire thing is just anticipation and people know that they're going to have fun people will try to have fun the entire table suddenly becomes interested in each other and it's not just the players it's the dm the dm is ready to show off his world that he created i mean you think you did a great job at making stabdar the barbarian this motherfucker just made an entire goddamn globe or if he's good he did i suppose he's got dragons and caves and princesses in another castle i mean the entire table suddenly turns into completely new experience. Suddenly that character that you've been working on becomes interested in that other character that someone else has been working on. And then you realize that you're part of a world that the DM has been spending time to make. And it's probably more time than you spent on your character. You're a piece in a greater world. And you you sort of lose that uh, little bit of an ego almost. It's it's not something that's overshadowed by abilities or, or pure number crunching optimizations. It's just interest in in carrying on a story and and that's the core of any tabletop rpg is just to tell a story and those beginnings that's that's the hook that's what gets you into the story that envelops you that makes you want to continue going on if it's a bad beginning you might be a little bit standoffish about it maybe you'll be hopeful for the future but i also gotta mention that this is where world building shines for the dm where the dm gets his set his tone and and what inevitably could become a campaign that stretches out for you know, quite possibly years of adventure and fun and entertainment, utmost entertainment, this is where it starts this is the first part of asymmetrical writing it's where the DM does have a general idea or typically he has a general idea of what you intend to do with your life as a character but creates his own universe to sort of fit that Your actions after that first game, your actions from the very first minute of that game, could very well change what exactly he intended for this world to become, depending on the skill of the DM, depending on the skill of the storytellers, really. And so all of that chaos sort of culminates around almost like a butterfly effect where you could flap your wings across the globe and create a hurricane across the world. So too could you kill an NPC that maybe the DM thought that it was a... Maybe a good idea to keep that thing alive for a few years or so. It's a lot of disaster, but at the same time, it could drastically affect your story. And that's not to say that everyone's gonna be a jerk like me and instantly kill one of the NPCs that I detect is important, because that's just a dick move, but whatever, we're not gonna get into that. The facts are, you start off at level 1, maybe up to 3 at most, You're a tiny fish in a rather large ocean, and an interesting ocean at that. An interesting ocean, and by that I mean a more interesting ocean than you. You suck. This is where the world building shines. Because you see, shit's just not as heavy as it becomes in later games. Or perhaps, at least it shouldn't be. When I go into a new campaign and anything, I find that the first few games should be a sandbox style of mucking about and it serves better than a level up and save the world sort of game where it's a linear path. And I understand that you know that depends entirely upon the skill of the players, the willingness of the players to go along with the story and cooperate with each other, and it also depends in large of uh, what the DM intended on. It's something about giving a character a chance to play their styles, do what they'd like to do, see and experience the world in an enjoyable way before some mechanized Draco Lich asshole pulls the rug out from under these guys and then starts eating gnome babies and melting mountains. Ultimately, the story hook is always going to be save the world, or save some significant portion of the world. Why not have these characters enjoy that world before it becomes in peril? Give them something to fight for, give them something to remember. It's not just about the backstory that those people wrote, it's about the story that they're experiencing as they play the game. It's important to have something that they have an emotional connection to, not just something that they wrote whenever they created the character. Because, frankly, I feel the problem with a lot of campaigns, eventually, is that I just don't have the motivation to continue. That I don't feel that what is at stake is important anymore. But detracting a little bit away from the story aspect, even the mechanics themselves are so much better in the beginning, because they're balanced. And that's easiest. For a developer to balance level 1 with level 1, everyone's on the same playing field. It doesn't matter what class you are, it doesn't matter what race you are, you can be gimp, but only slightly gimp, and you can be OP, but only slightly OP. I've uh, tried to do a little bit of research on level 1 characters in most RPGs, specifically 3.5, you'll hear me talk a lot about 3.5 because that's really my bread and butter. And I can honestly say I haven't seen anything in 3.5 as far as a level 1 character that's really impressed me as far as something where I would just say, no, that is overpowered and that should not be allowed in the game. I have seen some exploits here and there with clerics and their domains. I'm not going to get into that right now because I don't like to get into a whole lot of math. You'll find part of this podcast that math I find is not exactly entertaining on the radio. Neither is me sidetracking. So I'll get back into this. At level one, gear isn't unwieldy most of the time. You know, characters typically start with whatever is the in-universe provision that people would normally have. You're a normal guy. You're going to have clothes. You're going to have a knapsack. You're going to have a spoon. That spoon does not grant wishes. It's a normal sort of equipment. Very normalized, nothing out of the ordinary. You may have some heirlooms or something like that, but as far as a a vorpal sword of dick cutting, you're you're good. It's not going to happen. Or at least, if you're a good DM, it's not going to happen. Please don't let that happen. And in the same vein as the gear, you're not worrying as a GM whether or not some asshole wizard is just going to cast a wish spell and turn everything in your universe into an anthropomorphic form of genitalia. Everything is simple. Everything is easy. And everything as a whole, I believe, is just... it's fun. Now, As I said earlier, you can probably tell by now, my favorite games are the first two or maybe three in a campaign. And that's not to say that the advanced stuff does not have a place. I do like the idea of being a time-traveling undead assassin mage and I would definitely never expect to start out as one. But the idea is cool. I want to work towards that. Building up, that's the key. Those first humble steps into a story, deciding a character's fate, and planning out how he or she advances That's what makes those higher levels all the more satisfying. I'll give you an example of a game that does it right in the beginning, and I'll give you an example of one that sort of misses the mark in my opinion, and you'll probably hear me talk a lot about D&D 3.5 and Pathfinder. That's, uh, That's usually in the back of my mind whenever I talk about pen and paper RPGs. I've played a lot, but that's still my bread and butter. I love it so much. I'll try to remain a bit impartial about it. It should likely become apparent that those rule sets are my favorite by and part because i love the character creation and how the low-level games play out the settings typically associated in the universe oftentimes have you as some sort of villager, some sort of nobody really some sort of farm boy just like luke skywalker out in tatooine do you think that that movie would be very interesting if luke skywalker was uh... Some sort of noble from Tatooine. You typically start in some village or some cutthroat alley in a sprawling metropolis, or perhaps an inn, teetering on the brink of a bar fight, is typical. And with the in-universe settings of D&D, you don't start out with a sword instead of a dragon's neck at level one. You don't get a, to be a famous war tactician at level one. You can't even cast dancing lights without breaking a sweat at level one. You you have to earn these things. At level one, you shovel shit for a living. Or you get bullied by some warty-nosed bastard who can shovel shit twice as good as you. And that's the most of your problems. You're not worried about the world. The world's not really worried about you. You're not important in the beginning. Think about Harry Potter. I mean, I mean, like, it's it's a little bit of a trope, but... You think Harry Potter would be all that great if he started out as a wizard? It's because he comes from these humble beginnings, because he comes from such a bad background. Same thing, like I said earlier, with Luke Skywalker coming from a farm boy sort of thing. It's, it's all about the contrast of where they're from and where they're going. And so that makes a good story in a pen and paper RPG as well. And that's what's great about the game, is that you have to earn your importance, you have to earn your significance to the rest of the story around you. You may be some latent chosen fucker who can change the world someday, but today you are Sir Shoveler of Shit, and you have to prove that you have got the wits and the skill or the luck to survive past your cantrips. At the beginning levels in the D&D or most fantasy based RPGs, you can accomplish simple things and feel good about them. You can scare some bandits, or you can win a drinking contest, or you can pull off a heist against a local lord, or, or you can keep shoveling shit until your DM caves and gives you a plus two to shoveling shit proficiencies. The world is literally your oyster, you're not bound by anything necessarily. I like that, and I think a lot of people like that as well. And I think that's a big reason why the D&D rule set has been so successful over the years. It's not just that it was the first, but it actually understands that sort of epic arc that every story should take, where it goes from, not necessarily rags to riches, but from a lower place on up to a higher place with conflict in the middle. Now, like I said earlier, there are some rule sets that I don't think really pulled this off very well. Uh, the beginnings aren't all that humble in some games, uh, specifically some of the games that like to start in medias res. And for those of you who didn't pay attention in 9th grade literature, that's Latin for goofy space marine fuckers. Uh, that's right, as much as I love Warhammer 40k and its lore and its stories, and I love Dan Abnett's stories, I cannot stand playing the game of Death Watch. And for those of you unfamiliar with Death Watch, it is relatively new uh, within a few years. Death Watch is the game of which uh, you're not playing on the uh, the battlefield with the 40k with the normal strategy game. It's a fully fledged RPG with dice and everything and hex grids and what have you. Uh, now I've only played a f- handful of Death Watch campaigns and I Like I said, I I don't like to be negative about these games, even though I'm not saying I'm not into Space Marines, because Space Marines are really kind of cool, especially for the setting that they're in. They're in a very unique sort of characterization, I guess. It's just a little hard to pretend to be one, and that's, that's ultimately what it boils down to whenever you're playing an RPG, is to pretend to be something else. It's really hard to pretend to be this centuries-year-old mutant boy who can spew acid and wears pieces of bulldozer over his body and can also move like a cat and also shits artillery and doesn't have a whole lot of place anywhere other than serving the emperor. I've played a handful of Death Watch campaigns. I I feel like I'm cheating the entire time because I didn't really earn any of the things that I get to do as a space marine all that was done to me. It's not like I I leveled up into a prestigious class and eh da da da, you're a space marine now, enjoy the abilities. Like I quite literally woke up on an operating table and some cybernetic spider-man was operating on me and turned me into a, a giant monster of a man and a century later I get to go shoot and punch through tanks. And yeah, I understand that in the universe, that's, that's how the universe is, is done. It's full of things that want to eat, rape, possess, and turn your skin into gingivitis and, and sometimes not even necessarily in that order. But those things are, are way more interesting to be pitted against when you're more outgunned as a as a good old white bread human or feral or or anything else in the in the dark heresy line, really. Now I'm not gonna say it can't be fun but a lot of it starts off like you're playing a level 20 DD character where you can literally punch through hordes of things and and even the rule set uh, accommodates for this by by making rule sets uh, that will do groups of things to speed up combat against hundreds of enemies i guess not to mention i i like having a character that makes it to the fifth game and, and perhaps it's just the GMs that I've ran with these games. Death Watch seems a bit more death-prone in that death is just so ever-present in that universe where the slightest mistake will kill you. Not, not to mention there's just no innocence and no, no meaningful cooldown points in action. You don't see Space Marines hanging out in the inn and getting into a a drunken fist fight or anything like that. There's just no revelry in it at all. And so, like I said, it's not to say that I don't appreciate the universe because I understand that it doesn't necessarily fit in the characterization of those that you're playing. It's just not my cup of tea to play as a role-playing game. And of course, more to the point, it just doesn't make for a very good beginning game. Now, hopefully I don't get too much of a bad-mouthing from the 40k fans out there, I, and in the event that I do, I guess it's just uh, more skulls for the Skull Throne. To kind of wrap up here, I want to give you some tips on how to make the best out of your first few games of uh, any campaign, whether you're a seasoned vet or if it's your first time playing. Uh, First, uh, my tip for the beginning of any game, and maybe this extends a little bit out beyond the first game and into really any game that you play, is be prepared. Tip number one, be prepared. There's a lot that entails in being prepared. You want to have your pencils, you want to have character sheets, you want to have source books, maybe a laptop, a tablet, get into technology in a, in a later episode, but those are really great things to have. You want to have your dice, pick out your mini if you're gonna play with minis, make sure you've got your map if you're the GM. You know, All these sorts of things sound like they may go without saying, but oftentimes you'll find that something little being forgotten can delay the game. But in reality, it helps to have as little delays as possible before you play. Make sure everyone has an idea of how long the game is going to last, when the game starts and when the game ends. It's really important to express that because you don't want someone showing up late, obviously. But even furthermore, a lot of people don't plan for people leaving in the middle of the campaign, and that can sort of throw a damper in things. Having a missing character can oftentimes lead to a few problems. As a player, it's always important to have your character prepared. You want to fill out that entire goddamn character sheet, not just the parts that you feel are relevant. Take that sheet, take it home, finish it before you play. It's like homework, whatever, deal with it. The DM might pull a surprise nature check on you, and if you don't have that filled out, you're gonna have to pull up the source book or fail. Alright, tip number two for the first games, remember that it's everyone's first introduction into the universe, not just your own. It goes for GMs as well. Don't let NPCs or players outspeak or override each other. Let everyone have a turn at the introductions. Let everyone introduce themselves and sort of give everyone an idea of what their character is all about. If they so choose to divulge that information, of course. DMs, also... They've got big plans. They've got their creations. They've got their NPCs that they've spent time on. If the DM is going into depth or a conversation with the players to an NPC of his, don't interrupt him. Let him get it out. It might be important for you. Who knows? Maybe that character will live for years to come and become some sort of vital part of the story. I mean, pay attention. The GM is a writer, and he did take some time to make these characters. Now unfortunately, I have to bring this one up because it's happened several times and it has ruined a beginning game, it's ruined an introductory game to any campaign here. When this happens, this is the ultimate slap in the face. I hate it more than any other thing that you could possibly fuck up in a beginner's game. Don't die or get killed. Okay, now I know that sounds a little weird and won't quite fit something like a Cthulhu game or maybe even perhaps a 40k game but try not to die. There shouldn't be any need to put someone in the way of certain death unless the player or the character happens to be missing some sort of vital chromosome in the way of self-preservation. What's the point in the beginning of a campaign if you have to re-roll a new character the next game? Do you think Game of Thrones would have been as successful as it was if Ned Stark died in the first episode? If there's no emotional attachment or legacy attached to a character, then killing them off can oftentimes be detrimental to your story and as a level one fighter I'm sure he's not really done a whole lot except maybe shovel shit and my last tip is to and my last tip to ensure a successful introductory game into any campaign would be to communicate with both DM and players to sort of get an idea of what each person is trying to get out of this game. Now you don't want to roll a second rogue and step on somebody else's toes whenever you succeed every skill check that they try to do themselves. You don't want to have the same character hook as someone else. Two schizophrenic wizards are not exactly very entertaining and oftentimes stuff like that just gets annoying as hell after a while. It's better that everyone is not batshit crazy whenever they're playing the game as their characters. All a crazy person in company of sane people is that much more crazier. Make sure you've got a wide variety of players, I mean there are so many limitless options when it comes to any of these campaigns that I'm talking about, of course I'm trying to not necessarily pigeonhole myself into a D&D fantasy setting, but something like Star Wars where there's just countless alien races, Death Watch where you could make up your own space marine chapter, were you so inclined? There are a lot of options for your characters, use them. Don't copy someone else, and and try to communicate with the other people so that there's a variety of things happening in the party. You'll be better off for it, and the overall story will greatly increase in quality as well. All right, well, that's it for the first episode of Wizards on Paper. My name is Justin, and I'm very glad to have had you here. Remember, if the first episode is the worst one, then things could only get better from here. Hit us up on Twitter with any comments or questions you might have about this episode. Let us know what you'd like to hear in a future episode. Our name on Twitter is Wizards on Paper. No spaces there. You can also comment on our site, wizardsonpaper.com. The SoundCloud player's got a comment section on it as well. Send us an email at podcasts at wizardsonpaper.com. And pretty soon here, you'll be able to check us out on iTunes. Once again, my name is Justin. Let's all go roll some rogues.